Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Greg Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warm and friendly hello. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Got a great podcast for you guys. We're going to be joined in the second segment by John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, The Gambler. Also does some work with SiriusXM Fantasy as well. We're going to be chatting with him about this crazy NL East race. Going to be looking at the Phillies a little bit. And we're also going to be looking at the board for Sunday. So nice chat there. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys side total on every game on the board for this Sunday. And a little something like I'll touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. If you got one or two ways to go for those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at Jerry one Keep in mind letters EM. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you read this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send in whatever you'd like to hear on the podcast into that comment section. Did not wind up getting in any questions today, but we had a great day of baseball on Saturday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know that he seems a little bit better. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. For the first time in two years, we wound up seeing Chris Sale on a mound. And, well, the team was trying to give him as much run support as possible to make up for lost time. The Boston Red Sox, 16-2, they thrash the Baltimore Orioles. For Sale looked pretty solid in this one. He winds up giving up those two runs over the course of five innings. Now, both of them were solo home runs. Going deep for the Orioles in this one. Trey Boomer Mancini, 20th home run this season. And Austin, the Sayes kid, his 13th home run season. 
His teammates would have his back, though. Rafael Devers, 29th home run season. Bobby Dalbeck goes deep not once but twice. 13th and 14th home runs of the season. Hunter Renfro, 21st home run season. J.D. Martinez is 22nd, and bullpen looked very good. Martin Perez now in the bullpen. Austin Davis, Enzo Robles out of Kazusato Moda. Ollie will give you scoreless things for the Baltimore Orioles. Ore Lopez got destroyed, giving up seven runs in three and a third innings. Gave up just one of those home runs, though, as Austin wins the backup catcher. Would give up one of those home runs in the eighth. Dylan Tate was able to give you a scoreless inning. Cesar Valdez gives up one run in one and a third innings, but... After Paul Fry got the final two outs of the fourth inning, Adam Blutko really lit this game on fire. He got two outs, and he gave up seven runs, all of which were earned. So, not ideal for the Orioles, very ideal for the Boston Red Sox. The Atlanta Braves put up double figures as well. They take down the Washington Nationals by a count of 12-2 for the Braves. All of a sudden, they're within striking distance of the division lead as they wind up getting a quadrant of home runs of their own. Ozzy Albies, 22nd home run season. Dansby Swanson, his 22nd and 23rd home runs of the season, and you wind up having Adam Duvall get his 26th home run season for Max Fried, a very good start. Gives up two runs, only one of which was earned over the course of six innings. You had a Dansby Swanson error that earned him a little bit, but A.J. Minter, along with Chris Martin and Mr. Jacob Webb, I'll give you a scoreless setting in for Patrick Corbin. His bad season continues. He gives up six runs in four and two-thirds innings. Now he's a 6.04 ERA. You wind up having Javi Guerra come in. He gives up three runs in one and two-thirds innings. And then Jeffrey Rodriguez gives up three runs in two innings. Ryan Harper, two outs out of the bullpen. Now he's a 0.83 ERA. He's done his part, but really nobody else for the Washington Nationals did. The Chicago Cubs, once again, did not do their part. The Miami Marlins wind up extending the Cubs' losing streak to 10 as they wind up getting a 5-4 win. Looks like the Cubs were going to be able to storm back with three runs in the eighth inning, but the Miami Marlins put up two runs in the bottom of that inning to be able to get the W, so if you had the under, i really feel for you on this one because you wind up having Zach Davies actually give a good start. He did give up three runs over the course of six innings, but they weren't his fault as there were four errors behind him that hurt him. Austin Romine committed an error in the... Catcher's box wind up making catcher's interference. And then Sergio Alcantara, not one, not two, but three errors in the field from there. Trevor McGill gives you a scoreless inning. And Cody Oyer, he gives up two runs, all unearned. Every one of the Cubs' runs that they wound up surrendering were unearned. And for the Chicago Cubs, they were the beneficiaries of being able to get some timely hitting as well as they wind up going two of six with men in scoring position as for the Miami Marlins. Zach Thompson, a really good start. He gives up one run over the course of six innings. Anthony Bass and Anthony Bender both give you a scoreless inning, but Richard Blyer and Dylan Floro combined to give up three runs in an inning. And for the Miami Marlins, Brian Anderson gets his sixth home run of the season, the three-run variety off of Zach Davies to be able to get the Marlins a W. Another team that was able to get a nice W, the Detroit Tigers, who are 20-8 and eight ever since the All-Star break, 6-4. They wind up taking down the Cleveland Indians. For Sam Antiges, he was pretty much an opener du jour in this one, giving up three runs to two innings, including home run. From there, you wind up having Travis Steven go two innings. He gives up a run in the process. Blake Parker and Nick Wickren combined for three scoreless innings with them. Brian Shaw gives up two runs in a third of an inning. Alex Young winds up completing the eighth inning, but for the Cleveland Indians, they go just three. 15 with men in scoring position. They just could not capitalize as Willie Peralta did not give a great start, giving up three runs in four and a third innings, but the bullpen at his back. Kyle Funkhauser, one and two thirds innings scoreless. Jose Cicerno does give up a run in an inning, but Michael Fulmer, Gregory Soto, both give you scoreless innings to be able to get the W. The Oakland A's were able to get the W over the Texas Rangers. 8-3 the final for the Texas Rangers ever since the All-Star break. This team is averaging right around 2.6 runs per game. They had an outburst on Friday that helped that out a little bit, but 
for the Oakland A's. They had an outburst of home runs off of poor Jordan Lyles as Lyles gives one up to Mitch Moreland, his 10th home run season. One to Matt Olson, his 30th home run season. A pair to Matt Chapman, 15th and 16th home runs of the season. And then Jarrell Cotton gives one up to Seth Brown, his 15th of the campaign. As for Jordan Lyles, gives up four home runs. He now has given up 31 so far this year. That ties his teammate Mike Fultonavich for the most in all of the big leagues. Gives up five runs in total over the course of six innings. Brett Martin does give up two runs, but they were unearned over the course of an inning. You wind up having DeMarcus Evans give you a scoreless inning, and Jarrell Cotton gives up one of those home runs. And for the Texas Rangers, no home runs for this team, as it was a pretty short but okay start for James Caprillion. Gives up three runs over the course of five and a third innings. Andrew Chafin gives you five outs out of the bullpen without allowing anything. And then A.J. Puck and Yasmeto Petit both give you scoreless innings. So the A's continue their winning ways. The Dodgers, after having lost 11 straight extra inning games, they have now won two extra inning games in two days. 2-1, two to one, they take down the Mets in 10 innings for the Mets. You wound up having Taiwan Walker carry a no-hitter into the 7th inning. Will Smith rudely interrupted that with his 17th home run season. And then Cody Bellinger drives in the winning run in the 10th inning as Walker Buehler, another great start. He has won at least 6 innings in 23 out of his 24 starts, giving up one run. That was a solo home run over the course of 7 innings. Going deep for the Metropolitans in this one, Michael Conforto, his 8th home run season. And then for the Dodgers, Alex Vesia and Phil Bickford both give you 1 and a 3rd innings out of the bullpen. And Corey Knable gives the final out of the game as for the Mets. Tywell Walker, very good in this one. He does give up the home run, but that's all you would give up in six and two-thirds innings. Aaron Loop got the team out of the seventh thing, and then Miguel Castro, Seth Lugo, they both give you a scoreless inning, and then Yancy Diaz gives up the run that starts on second in the tenth inning, but for the Mets, overnight with men in scoring position, they just could not come up with the offense as needed, and the Mets are now falling in the NL East race. The St. Louis Cardinals are looking to claw their way back into the National League playoff race, and they get a 9-4 win over the Kansas City Royals as John Lester turned back time, going five and two-thirds innings, giving up one run. Now, Andrew Miller, he did not. He gave up three runs while getting one out of the bullpen, but Genesis Cabrera, along with Ryan Helsley, goodbye for two scoreless innings. Luis Garcia gives you a scoreless inning, and Nolan Arenado gives the bunch his 24th home run season as Brad Keller, not necessarily a great start here. Six and two-thirds innings, gives up four runs, three of which were earned. He was hurt by an error out there in the field, but Josh Shamout allows that home run to Arenado, giving up two runs in a third of an inning. Greg Allen is just completely washed at this point. He gives up three runs in an inning, and Ryan Lovelady gives you a scoreless inning, and they creep a game closer of the San Diego Padres in the wildcard race, who are now, I believe, 7-9 and nine against the Arizona Diamondbacks, as you wind up having a no-hitter thrown by a very, very unlikely source. Mr. Tyler Gilbert in his first career start. A no-hitter. He walked three in this one. One and two total pitches to be able to get the no-no. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, hey, they shelled out in this one. Drew Ellis gets his first career home run and the team goes 6-15 of 15 with men in scoring position as Joe Musgrove. He did not have it. He gives up six runs. Ten total hits given up by him alone over the course of five innings. From there, Matt Stram and Miguel Diaz complete the final three innings, giving up just one run in the process, but nothing doing for the Padres on this night. Nothing doing for the San Francisco Giants on this night. They wind up losing to the Colorado Rockies by a count of 4-1. to For Kyle Freeland, he has really been able to turn things around. He has given up three runs or fewer in now nine out of his last ten starts. He's got an ERA that is pretty much sub-3 in that time span. Gives up one run over the course of six innings. Ulysse Chassin gives you two scoreless innings. And Daniel Bart gets his 19th save of the season with a scoreless inning. CJ Krohn, he has 19 home runs so far this year. And this was his fourth away from Coors Field. So that was fascinating. That's off of one Sam Long who 
He did not wind up going long in this one. He went two innings. He gave up that one solo home run. Zach Liddell from there. Three scoreless innings, but Dominique Leon, who has been very good out of the bullpen, gives up two runs in a third of an inning. Jose Alvarez goes one and two-thirds scoreless, and Jarlon Garcia completes the final two innings, giving up one run in the process, but for the Giants, just nothing doing on offense in this one. They get seven hits, but they were unable to convert them into much of anything. The Houston Astros converted their hits into runs. Eight to two, they wind up taking down the LA Angels for the Astros. A pair of home runs, and not necessarily from the guy that you'd expect. Jake Myers, his first and second home runs of the season. With Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, Jordan Alvarez, Yoli Gurriel in the fold, he's the one that winds up going deep, and Luis Garcia, who entered into this game with north of a 5 ERA on the road, looked pretty solid. He does give up a home run to Shoya Otani, his league-leading 39th of the season, but gives up two runs in total over the course of five innings. Brooks Raley, along with Phil Maiden, Blake Taylor, and Yimi Garcia. I'll give you a scoreless setting at Aime Barilla after having three very good starts for the Angels. Well, he didn't give us such a good one in this one, giving up three runs over the course of three innings, and then Junior Guerra comes out of the bullpen, and he lights lighter fluid on this game, giving up four runs in an inning. Sam Selman, one and a third innings. He gives up one run. Jose Quijada, one and two-thirds innings, scoreless, and then Mike Myers gives you the final two innings, scoreless, but for the Angels, they strand 10 men on base. They go one of 10 with Bennett squaring position. Just not good for them, as they are now 58-60, and 60, and they are sliding quickly in. Second fewest runs per game in the American League ever since the All-Star break, so that has not been good. Good. This was not good for the Rays as Michael Waka. We get to use the dying Pac-Man voice from him as he turned into Michael Waka 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 Waka. Game over. 12 to 0. The Minnesota Twins get the win for Waka. Seven runs given up in five innings, including a pair of homers. Going deep for the Minnesota Twins off of a Max Kepler, his 15th homer on the season. And Luisa Rice, the second homer on the season. And then the bullpen, they would give up a pair more. Brent Rooker's sixth home run the season, and Ryan Jeffers gets his 10th as those home runs were given up by Lewis Head, who gives up two runs in an inning, and then you wind up having Jordan Luplo, the position player, give up one of those home runs. He gave up a run in an inning. Ryan Sheriff gives up two runs, one of which was earned, and for the Tampa Bay Rays, not a lot doing in this one, as Kenta Maeda was terrific. Six scoreless settings from him, and then Ralph Garza Jr. and Danny Colombe, three scoreless settings out of them as the Rays get three total hits in this one, so it certainly was not their day. It was the day of the Yankees, though, and if you like me at the under, you need one more strike from the Yankees to be able to complete this in regulation, and instead you wound up getting an Jose Abreu home run in the bottom of the ninth, it's 24th of the season, to extend this to a 10th inning, but then in the 10th inning, the Yankees would get a huge hit out of Joey Gallas. He had went deep once already in this game for his 27th home run season, he takes Liam Hendricks deep for his 28th home run season, and Hendricks all of a sudden starting to look shaky, and Aaron Judge earlier in this game goes deep for his 26th home run season, that came off of Craig Kimbrell, so... The Yankees were doing it against a big bomber, Jameson Dion. Not necessarily what he was looking for here at about a buck 30 ERA in his last five road starts. He gives up three runs over the course of five innings, including a home run to Luis Robert. That was his second home run season. From there, Lucas Lutige, Jonathan Luizaga, along with Chad Green combined for three innings. Chad Green wound up giving up a run in the process, but Wandy Peralta gives you a scoreless inning. Zach Britton gives up an unearned run in the 10th inning, and Albert Abreu was able to close things out. And for the Chicago White Sox, it was rough sledding to start with for Dylan Cease, but then he was able to calm down as well, giving up three runs over the course of five innings. Garrett Crochet and Ryan Tapera combined for two scoreless innings, but then Craig Kimbrell gives up one of those home runs. Liam Hendricks winds up giving up three runs, two of which were earned in the 10th inning. Matt Foster gives you a scoreless inning, and Jose Ruiz gives you a pair of outs, but for the White Sox, 
one of 12 with men in scoring position as well. So that was a little bit of a calamity. Speaking of a calamity, how about what we've been seeing with the Cincinnati Reds offense recently? They lose to the Philadelphia Phillies by a count of 6-1 for the Reds. They wind up getting a Tyler Stevenson home run his eighth of the season, and that was their lone form of offense as Luis Castillo gives up three runs in six and two-thirds innings. Jeff Hoffman was able to complete the seventh inning, and then Sean Doolittle, well, he did very little for you. He gave up three runs in an inning as going deep for the Philadelphia Phillies in this one. Andrew McClutch in his 21st home run season, and Ronald Torres is sixth, and for Matt Moore, his best start of the year. Six scoreless innings, he punched out eight, did not wind up giving up a single hit. It was not until Archie Bradley winds up giving up that home run in the ninth that there was a hit recorded in this game as Hector Neris was able to give you a scoreless setting as well, and Ian Kennedy, he also gave you a scoreless setting, and that Archie Bradley home run was actually given up in the ace, so they didn't carry it over quite that far, but certainly still a good performance from the Philadelphia Phillies. A good performance in game two of their double dip for the Brewers and the Pirates. Game one did not go the way of the Milwaukee Brewers as they wind up losing to the Pittsburgh Pirates by a count of 14-4 in game one. For the Brewers, Brett Anderson, not the start he was looking for. He gives up six runs in three and a third innings. Jake Cousins completes that fourth inning, and then you wind up having Mr. Justin Dapa come in, and he gave up five runs in two-thirds of an inning. Miguel Sanchez, third of an inning, he gives up a run, and it got so bad that Chase Peterson completed the seventh inning, giving up two runs in an inning. Pair of home runs in this one for the Milwaukee Brewers. Tyrone Taylor, 10th home run season, and Colton Wong, his ninth as it was Bryce Wilson who gave up both of those home runs. Gives up four runs and four innings, but Jason Shreve, Nick Mears, along with Luis Oviedo, I'll give you a score of setting. And then in game two, Rowdy Tellez hit a ball to the moon as they wind up getting a 6-0 win for Tellez. Tenth home run season, obviously, El Garcia would also get his 21st home run this season. That comes off of a man with a very interesting last name, Shay Spitzbarth. Who winds giving up that home run? One run in an inning given up by M. Jason Shreve. He gives up three runs in an inning. I believe that he wanted giving up that Tellez home run for Mitch Keller. He could have given it up more than he did. Four and a third innings. Gives up nine hits and a walk, but only two runs in the process. Anthony Banda was able to give you a pair of outs, but for the Pittsburgh Pirates, nothing doing in this one as. You wind up having Aaron Ashby be pretty much the opener in this one. Gives you a four scoreless signings, a very good sign for the Milwaukee Brewers. Then Devin Williams, Hunter Strickland, along with Brad Boxberger, all give you scoreless signings. And this one is going final as I'm recording this. I have to have this up by midnight. But the Seattle Mariners in the bottom of the eighth with men on second and third. And no odds are up by a count of 9-3 over the Toronto Blue Jays. Unjin Ryu did not wind up giving the world's greatest start in this one. Six and a third innings. He gives up four runs, all of which were earned. And then things really open up late in this one as the Mariners, as I'm doing this, already with three runs in the eighth inning and with men on second and third with no outs. So that is absolutely terrific. And for the Blue Jays, they are one of ten with men in scoring position. And they did get a home run off the bat of Teoscar Hernandez. 19th home run season that comes off of Mr. Yusei Kikuchi. Gives up three runs over the course of four and a third innings, but bullpen is able to do their part. Casey Sadler, one and two-thirds inning scoreless. Keenan Middleton, Eric Swanson both give you a scoreless setting. And for the Seattle Mariners, how about Lewis Torrance's 13th home run season? Ty France, more like Win France, his 12th home run season. And Jared Kelnick gets his sixth home run of the campaign as Trevor Richards gives up two runs in a third of an inning. Taylor Sacido wound up completing that eighth inning and Rafael Dolis wound up giving up three runs without getting it out. So that was not necessarily too terrific. But what is terrific is if you're taking a look at things game by game because when it comes to overs and unders in baseball, it has been a relative stalemate all season long and we've seen that over the last three days. In the last three days of Major League Baseball, 192 overs, 189 unders. So right around 50.4% to the over. If you're looking at favorites versus underdogs, 241 favorites have come through in the last three days. 
157 underdogs have, so right around 60.5% there. Home teams are 215 and 186 in that time span, right around 53.5%. If you're just looking over the last seven days, we have noticed that home teams and road teams have been relatively equal in that time span. The home teams are 46 and 46, so actually dead equal. And if you're looking at overs and unders in that time span, we've seen the over have a very good run of things the last seven days. 51 overs and 38 unders. As we know, bookmakers will adjust and they will go to the drawing boards here because overall for the year, we've seen 842 overs and 829 unders. So about 50.5% of games have went over for the season. Home teams are 958 and 790, so hitting at a rate of about 55%. And favorites in that time span, right around 59.5%. 1,030 and 702. And if you're looking over the last seven days, Favorites, 63 and 28, so hitting just below 70%. So that's where we're all seeing in Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we wound up seeing on Saturday. Now let's go out to the great city of Philadelphia. That's where we find John Jansen. Does a great job with Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler. His show, The Line Change, is 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern every single Monday through Friday. He also does some work with SiriusXM Fantasy as well. Going to be chatting with him about the NL East race. Also going to be looking at Sunday's games. That is on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to be joined by this guest as he does a terrific job over there with Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler. Hosts the show, The Line Change, as from 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern. If you're looking Pacific time, that is from 5 to 8. Also does some great work over there with Sirius XM's Fantasy Sports Radio. This is the man that's all over the place. And to be able to follow John on Twitter, you're able to do so at Jay Jansen and then the number 34. And John, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I know I'm back from vacation when I'm on with you. Absolutely. And I know that I should be taking a vacation when I wind up losing <laughs> two New York Post plays with the Yankees unders, in which all they need to do is get one out in the bottom of the ninth. But uh, the beggars can't be choosers there. But <laughs> if you're choosing to follow this NL East race, it has been very interesting. The Philadelphia Phillies wind up winning yesterday. They're going to be looking for a series win over the Reds on Sunday. And they, the Atlanta Braves and the New York Mets, all in this very tightly knit race. I think it's going to be really interesting moving forward. And I think that things actually favor the Phillies at this point. The Atlanta Braves are playing some good baseball, but you just take a look at this Phillies schedule moving forward. It is the easiest in baseball. They get the gift of playing the Arizona Diamondbacks twice to be able to close out the month of August. The Washington Nationals have pretty much become a dead team at this point. So I do think that the Phillies have a good chance to be able to take this division. They do. They just need to be able to get out of their own way. And that's a little problem is that their offense has to make up for so much because the pitching, Matt Moore pitched well, but that has not been the case for most of the season. And, you know, Aaron Nola was starting to pitch well. And unfortunately, I was even at that game for the Dodge and unfortunately rained out. But they just have to make up for so much because defensively, they're still not great. Alec Bowman is just getting worse and worse. The pitching again, you know, even the bullpen pitching particularly well. The opportunity is there for them to win this division. They have to stay out of their own way. And that's been a little bit of the problem this season. And especially defensively, to make up for all of these errors is really tough. And their offense has been able to do it lately. For them to continue to do that, it's going to be really tough. But as you just said, you're right. The opportunity is absolutely there for them, for sure. Yeah, I think that this is a race in which it's the most tightly knit among all the divisions. I know that there are some people that still think that the NOS 
is up for grabs. I beg to disagree with the Dodgers having a little bit of difficulty. And the Padres got no hit by Tyler Gilbert yesterday. I can tell you right now, when you get no hit by the Arizona Diamondbacks and a guy named Mr. Gilbert, who I think was making his first career start, well, that's not necessarily what you want right there. And I just take a look at the National League moving forward, and I think that there might be a little bit of value on the Milwaukee Brewers to be able to take this entire thing because with the Brewers, they've got one thing that nobody else does. They've got the best rated monster in baseball, in my opinion. Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns, along with Brandon Woodruff. You pair that up with Devin Williams and Josh Hader in the 8th and ninth innings, and the way that guys like Rowdy, Telez, Boya, Adamas, and company have been able to shore up this lineup, this is a team I would want no part of in a postseason series. To your point, just that pitching staff. Even if the lineup doesn't come through or they're just average, it's fine because I think we've seen plenty of times already where pitching staffs can absolutely carry a team. And this is that kind of pitching staff. And especially with Williams and Hayter in the bullpen, I think that's where they just have a distinct advantage over most teams in the National League. But then you add on to that the fact that Corbin Burns is an ace, Brandon Woodruff is an ace, Freddie Peralta is an ace. It's just overwhelming. And we've seen a pitching staff like this go to the World Series before and win a World Series. So I think it's absolutely a weapon here. And it's really hard to look past that. I would take them, you know, in most series, pitching could absolutely carry them to a series win against the Giants, against the Dodgers. It's really, really good. I'm convinced more and more almost every day that this Brewers team legitimately has a chance to get to the World Series. I'm right there with you. I do think that the Brewers are starting to look better and better as the season goes along, and they've actually been able to win on the road, which we can't say for a lot of teams out there in the National (laughs) League, especially in the National League East. I can't say that about the American League East teams, but a lot of teams have had some very demonstrative home and road splits so far this year. As Joining me on the podcast, we do have John Jansen. And, John, when you take a look at the board for Sunday, I do think that it's a very fascinating one. And one of the games that really catches my eye is the fact that the St. Louis Cardinals, which they have going to the mound, are our favorite against the Kansas City Royals. Curse with a K. Bubich has not necessarily been terrific, but he's been a whole heck of a lot better at home than he has <laughs> been on the road. He's given up 17 home runs so far this year, and 14 have come on the road in fewer innings than he's pitched at home. I That is just absolutely insane. Meanwhile, Jay Happ, ever since his first five starts of the year, so I believe his last 16, he's got a north of 8 ERA. He has been absolutely terrible. I have no idea what the St. Louis Cardinals were trying to achieve at the trade deadline, but... It really didn't achieve much of anything. I recognize that John Lesser actually looked halfway decent yesterday, but that's one of those things where I guess a corpse twice a day winds up giving you a little bit of something. But (laughs) I take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals in this spot, and I think that this is a good opportunity to take plus money to bet against them. Yeah, definitely. And anytime Jay Happ's on the mound, it's almost that I don't even have to look at the other starting pitcher because even if they are bad, it's almost like, can it really get any worse than Jay Happ? So that game for sure, you end up looking at it because you always – Try and find an opportunity to go against Jay Happ, and I'm definitely with that. But I'm taking a look at this definitely Mets and Dodgers game because Carlos Carrasco hasn't really been good, and I know that number is going to balloon up, but the way Max Scherzer has been pitching, I was at the Phillies game where he pitched for the first few innings, and then the rain delay happened. I got the seat kind of firsthand, like Max Scherzer is ready to go for the Dodgers here as they head into the playoffs. I just think he's clicking on all cylinders. Carlos Carrasco coming back from injury, still trying to work things out. That's one I probably do look at a run line. I think with the way that you know the Mets lineup has just been in absolute shambles, 
I think it's maybe a little bit safe to take the Dodgers in the run line and not even lay much juice, minus 105. So that's certainly a bet I'll be looking at. I am not blaming you there. I think that the Dodgers should be able to get the job done with Mr. Scherzer on the mound. I'm looking at the run line myself. I don't want to be laying any sort of a chalky money line in this spot. And with Carlos Carrasco, I think he could come out there and give five good innings, but at the same time, the Mets bullpen has been used so much this year. I feel like it's going to start to wear down. And I have that fear with a lot of these teams that have had high bullpen usage. With the Dodgers, they've used their bullpen a lot. But the good news is the guys in there right now have not necessarily been used a whole lot because they wound up picking up a whole bunch of guys. I think guys like Justin Brule wound up getting innings this week. It's just absolutely insane to see some of the guys that they have trotted out there. Kevin Quackenbush, <laughs> that's a name in which I did not think that I would be saying here in 2021. You've got a San Diego Padres team that actually leads the majors in innings pitch out of the bullpen. And that's what the Tampa Bay Rays using openers with the bulk guys actually qualifying as bullpen innings. So there's that aspect of it as well. And I think that that's important to look at moving forward because with there being just 60 games last season, I do feel like in the back half of August and September, these bullpens that have used that have been used a lot, I think that they're really going to start to wear down. Yeah, for sure. Definitely could. Bullpen like the Rays, though, I do give them a little bit of, I guess, credit or do give them a bigger leash of like, okay, I think they might be actually okay because they have just have so many guys that they can use. And I think the Rays bullpen is almost, to me, just like a very strong unit that I have a tough time betting against. But that's something to definitely look to. And maybe that's why the Phillies, they could have problems. And, you know, even in a game against the Reds that's coming up for Sunday, like tend to maybe look at it a bit because the Reds lineup is that good that I don't expect them to be down for too long. And the Phillies bullpen has been used a lot and a lot of guys aren't really that good. So maybe the Reds can get to that bullpen again, but we'll see. But Sonny Gray has not been too great. So maybe that's something for the Reds and Phillies to take a look at. But obviously, just taking a look at those bullpens, which ones have been used, that's certainly big this time of the year. I agree with you. I do have John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, The Gambler, along with Sirius XM, their fantasy station, joining me right here on the podcast. And when I do take a look at that Phillies matchup, I actually gravitate towards the Phillies just because Aaron Nola is so much better at home than he is on the road. Yeah. Right around a three ERA at home on the road. That balloons are right around a 5-5. Five, five. He gives up most of his hard contact on the road. And you mentioned it was Sonny Gray. He just has not been too tremendous this year. And we dogged the Philadelphia Phillies bullpen. And I recognize that the Reds have gotten in a couple more trustworthy guys. Lee Sessa is someone I do like. They get Michael Lorenzen off the injured list. I don't have any faith in that bullpen either, though. <laughs> no, I don't have any faith at all. You know, this one I may be looking slightly at an over. Nola has been pitching better at home. And the last start he had was very good, even though it was cut a little bit short. But I do think that the Reds can get to Nola. I don't think this is almost an untouchable spot. I know he has faced the Reds before, and the last time he faced them, five innings pitched, three earned, but that was with eight hits allowed. So the Reds can get after Aaron Nola. They're better against right-handed pitching. I would look at the over in this game. I think both of these teams, you know, the Phillies offense started to wake up a little bit yesterday. That definitely helped out. I think with the Phillies offense waking up, I think the Reds won't get shut out again. I may be looking at it over here. With eight and a half, it's down a little bit probably because of you know the fact that Aranola is starting, but I do think both offenses can get going here. I think so too, and when I take a look at it, one stone-cold lead pipe lock of the century is that the San Diego Padres, who we don't know they're going to be starting at this point, so we've got no numbers up on this game, will not be no it once again. I think that I feel very <laughs> safe in saying that if they do, they should just be 
relegated from the MLB. They should be in like AAA Albuquerque playing against those teams. So one of those things of which was absolutely insane as we do have John Jansen joining me on the podcast. The other game that really intrigues me, how about this Mariners versus Blue Jays game? Because you've got a Mariners team that is actually staying in the American League playoff picture, which I find to be very surprising. Steven Matsu, you know him so well from his Mets days. You could get anything out of Steven Matz. He might go out there and he might mirror Tyler Gilbert and give you a no-hitter. He might give up eight runs in the first inning. That is the Steven Matz experience. He's going up against a guy in Logan Gilbert in which the Mariners have lost each other in his last two starts, but they had won 11 straight before then. Gilbert is someone that I actually do like. Seeing them right around a plus 105 to even as high as about a plus 116-ish in this spot. I think I'm going to take a shot here on the Seattle Mariners. I do think that they've had a little bit of a lucky season so far with all the one-run wins, but with Steven Matz, it's just hard to have any faith in him. And if there is one thing the Mariners have done a good job of, it's having their bullpen perform late. Yeah, that's something that's going to be big. It's the only reason to worry here is the Blue Jays lineup. You know, I think the Mariners will be able to get a few runs off of Steven Matz. Now, this lineup isn't going to put up like five, six runs, but, you know, they've been putting up enough. Like you just said, a lot of one run wins, but, you know, 2 1, 3 1, 3 2. They're not going to win, you know, out hitting teams, you know, five, six runs. It's a little bit tough for me because you're betting on, and Logan Gilbert can do it for sure, and he's been good this season. But you're betting on this team to kind of shut down the Blue Jays lineup. It's a tough thing to do because the Blue Jays could obviously against any team with how good that they are, you know, could end up you know getting after any pitcher. I would lean kind of with you again with Logan Gilbert just because Stephen Matz is such a mixed bag. And you see the nine and seven record with the 4.28 ERA, the whip way above Logan Gilbert's at 1.40. So, yeah, I think Stephen Matz can Give up a few runs here. Seattle gets up to an early lead, and I imagine Gilbert could be pretty comfortable and cruise the, you know, the first four or five innings. Yeah, I do think that it's really going to be dependent on what you wind up getting out of Steven Matz because if you get good Steven Matz, Blue Jays have a good shot to be able to win this one. If you get bad Steven Matz, just depends on how bad Steven Matz is. <laughs> and John, when you take a look at the betting board for Sunday, is there anything else that really catches your eye, whether it be from just a watch? sit down and enjoy sort of a standpoint or something that you might be targeting with regards to a bet? I've been enjoying watching Lucas Giolito a lot in the second half here. So that's a game I'm probably going to sit down and watch for sure. Lucas Giolito is one of my favorite pitchers to watch recently. Love his nice little fastball and high changeup mix that he has. And, you know, he's been really good in the second half. So it's been a lot of fun watching him. But a couple of bad games here and there. He had one against Kansas City that wasn't really the best. But uh, I think he comes back as a really strong outing against the Yankees. And look, this Yankees and White Sox series has been pretty fun. So I may be looking at the White Sox here for a bet, but they're kind of going up a little bit too much. I see him at minus 165 now to the point where I can't bet them. But yeah, I will have my eye on this game a lot because this White Sox Yankees series has been a lot of fun. Unfortunately, to, at your expense, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I gave out a pair of unders in the New York Post for the Yankees this week. In both of them, they had a chance to be able to close it out in the ninth inning and keep it way under. And in both cases, it did not wind up coming to <laughs> fruition. But what did wind up coming to fruition? John delivering great content here on this podcast. You do a great job all over the place. You do some work with SiriusXM, their fantasy sports network. You also do the line change every Monday through Friday. For Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, that is 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern, Pacific time, 5 to 8. I know you do a wide variety of other things as well. I know that you're getting geared up for football season. So let the good people at home know how they're able to follow you on social media and just what you've all got going on in general. 
Oh, gear enough for football season. That's what that vacation was for. But yeah, at Jay Jansen 34 you can follow me there. And that's where you can see everything. But WindailySports.com, getting ready for DFS and already putting out content there. So check it out, WindailySports.com. Great website and a lot of great people there putting out some really good content. But also, yeah, the line change, 8 to 11 every night, getting the show back up started on Monday. So really excited about that going to be absolutely amazing to see what winds up happening this year. I can't say that I necessarily have high hopes for the Philadelphia Eagles with that said. I do think (laughs) that the Philadelphia Phillies have some expectations of perhaps being able to make the postseason, so at the very least, we might see a postseason team there, and the 76ers if they don't wind up making the postseason this upcoming basketball season, something has badly went wrong, but something that always goes right. John joining this podcast, so big thanks to him for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast, and coming up next, it is that time they give you a signed total on every game on the betting board for this Sunday, and a little something like call, touch them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Big thanks to John Jansen. Does the show The Line Change over there with Fox Sports Philadelphia, The Gambler. Also does some work with SiriusXM, their fantasy station, and WinBet as well. Always great to be able to get him aboard and... Ironically enough, the Philadelphia Phillies are going to be in the first game that we break down. So without further ado, let's dive into it. Sign total on every game at today's betting board and a little something I like to call, touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at Jaren Squirty. Well, we're going to be going National League games first, then the American League games, and then any interleague games are going to be at the bottom end. Any changes will also be made to the spreadsheet as well as we do begin with that first National League game as I was alluding to 901-902. The Cincinnati Reds, yes, we are on to Cincinnati and they're on to the road to face off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Aaron Supernola is going to be going for the Phils. Sonny Gray is going to be on the bump for the Red Legs. The Reds are finding themselves as underdogs in this spot. You're going to be finding them really as high as about a plus 125-ish, seeing quite a bit of 120 out there as well. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, going to be getting them anywhere between minus 135, minus 140. Nine is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is between even and minus 105. For Sonny Gray, it's been a little bit of an up and down year. He certainly has not looked like himself, though the strikeouts per nine rate, that is still hovering right around 11, but you take a look at Aaron Nolan, he has just been so much better home to road. Overall, so far this year, 7-6, 435 ERA. Give it up right around 1.5 home runs per nine innings, but has been able to lock in in Philly. 297 ERA, 4-2 record across since starts. Has given up seven home runs in 60 and two-thirds innings, but 83 strikeouts in that time span as well, so he's getting well over 11 strikeouts per nine innings. Opponents are getting a 216 off of him in Philly, 259 on the road. You take a look at this red team, and you do have a lot of mashers on this team. And Eugenio Suarez, along with Nick Cassianos, the currently injured Jesse Winker, Joey Votto, all guys that have been able to give you at least 19 home runs in for Votto. 15 home runs since the All-Star break. Yeah, he's pretty out right now. He's got right around a 375 on base along with Mr. Cassianos and Eugenio Suarez is hitting below the Minos line of a 200. But you take a look at what you've been able to get out of some of the other guys. Jonathan India, right around a 400 on base. He has been solid. You've got Tucker Barnard, Kyle Farmer. pair of guys earning right around a 260. And then Tyler Stevenson has been able to do a good job with a 370 on base. Then you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies. The solo shot has been very good to this team as... 
right around two-thirds of their home runs have been of the solo variety. Got Bryce Harper with 21 home runs, and all but three of them have been solo shots. He's been able to hit right around a 300 for this team, along with Gene Segura. JT Rimuto has been able to pick it up, sitting about a 270. This is a team currently without Reese Hoskins, but you've had Andrew McCutcheon be able to hit right around 230, but a 345 on base, so it's been relatively rock solid there. You need Brad Miller along D.D. Gregorius to pick it up. They've been a little bit lacking with the power pair of guys hitting between a 215 and a 225. Then you take a look at this Philly bullpen, and I don't think you're going to need it too much, and good news is they got a stellar start out of Matt Moore. Six scoreless innings yesterday, so that means that you're going to be relatively rested with guys like J.D. Hammer. You're bringing Ian Kennedy, but he hasn't necessarily been too great for the team, and then you take a look at the since Cincinnati Reds, Michael Givens, along with Luis Sessa, have been upgrades for this bullpen. Lucas Sims is coming off the injured list along with Michael Lorenzen. That's going to be able to help them out, but the question is, what are you going to be able to get out of Sonny Gray in the start, giving up right around 1.25 home runs per nine innings, but has actually been significantly better on the road. 308 road ERA, 544 home ERA, give it up to three home runs in 38 innings. So I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game set it at 8.2 so I'm going to be looking under but I think that at home the Phillies are going to be able to get the job done more than 10 games over 500 at home the Phillies are they've been able to do their best work there so want to make them a minus 144 favorite so going Phillies along with this total under 903-904 on the bang board the Atlanta Braves hit the road face off against the Washington Nationals Paulo Espino is going to be going for the Nets Drew Smiley is going to be going for the Atlanta Braves. Braves are finding themselves between minus 160 and minus 165 favorites. Meanwhile, with the Nets, anywhere between plus 140 and plus 148, 9.5 is your total. Overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Unders anywhere between even and minus 110. Espino has been able to do a very good job of being able to limit the walks, but at the same time, this is someone that he's had his issues with regards to just being able to pitch in general as a starter. He, ever since he wound up getting sent up to the rotation. Has been scuffling a little bit. You take a look at what he's done recently. It's really been one good start and then one bad start. Here's his last four starts. Three runs given up to the Baltimore Orioles. One run given up to the Chicago Cubs. Six runs given up to the Phillies. And then one run given up to the Mets. But that was only one inning because I believe that that was the game that wound up getting suspended. And a 491 road ERA for Mr. Espino. 318 home ERA. So he certainly has been much better in Washington, D.C. giving up right around a home run for nine innings at home on the road that doubles. So that is something that you need to take a look at. Meanwhile, Drew Smiley, ever since having a really rough start to the year, he's got right around the 3-2-ish ERA ever since the beginning of the month of June. So he's been able to rein it in. He's been able to do a good job of being able to give you quality starts as well. The last time he gave up more than three runs in a start, you have to go all the way back to May 26. So he has been giving up three in a lot of these starts, but at the same time, he's been able to keep things out in front of him. Walks per nine is still a little bit high, right around 3.3-ish walks per nine innings. But you take a look at this Atlanta Braves team, and you've got a lot of guys that are able to do some special things for this team as Dansby Swanson, Austin Riley, Freddie Freeman, Ozzie Albies, along with Adam Duvall. All entered into yesterday with between 21 and 25 home runs. Now, you need to get a little bit of better batting average out of Duvall hitting right around 225 and Ode there only hitting a 203. But over the last 40 days, he's been able to provide 10 home runs. Freeman along with Austin Riley in between a 285 and a 295. These guys have been rock solid. And welcome back, Travis Sayer now. Hit above a 300 last year. Really a good defensive catcher as well. That'll be able to help out in Atlanta Braves team that they've been doing a better job out of the bullpen. They picked up Richard Rodriguez at the trade deadline. I do like what they've been able to get out of guys like Tyler Madzik, A.J. Minter just wound up coming off the injured list. And then for the Washington Nationals, you do have a couple guys like Kyle Finnegan, Ryan Harper doing a solid job. And Wander, I swear oh, this guy sucks is currently 
on the injured list, so that's actually an upgrade for them. A pair of guys hitting 19 home runs in the lineup. Josh Bell along with Juan Soto, and Soto's been hitting right around a 300-ish as well, so he's been able to give you a little bit of something. Yadiel Hernandez is hitting just below a 300 as well. Carter Keboom, ever since he's gotten at-bats, he's been able to hit above a 250, so got a couple guys, even like a Trace Bardetta, who have been able to give you a little bit of something, but I do think that this is going to be a good spot for Drew Smiley to be able to give you a quality start. Wound up setting them more around a minus 155 favorite with regards to the Atlanta Braves, but if you're taking a look at the run line, I'm finding that right in the pocket of even money-ish, seeing a little bit of plus 105 as well. That's something that I'm going to be taking a look at. I would need at least a plus 155 to take a shot on the Nationals. We are not finding that right now, so going to be landing on the Braves. Only question is money line or run line, and I did wind up setting this all at 9.3, so going to be going under along with some former fashion of a Braves pick. 905-906 on the banging board. Got the Pittsburgh Pirates. Going to be playing against the Milwaukee Brewers. Right now, we've got no numbers up on this game because they wound up having that strange double dip yesterday, but as of right now, ESPN has starters of Freddie Peralta for the Brewers and Steven Brault for the Pittsburgh Pirates. If this does wind up being the matchup, setting the Brewers as a minus 215 favorite, and I'm going to be willing to lay up to minus 137 on the run line with them. Meanwhile, for the Pirates, I would need a plus 214 to take a shot on them. Said this all at 8.1 as well, so an 8 or lower, I'd be taking a look at the over 8.5 or higher, would be taking a look at the under in game one of that doubleheader. We wound up seeing the Pittsburgh Pirates really bust out with the offense. This is a bunch of which they've been at the bottom of the National League all year long with regards to offense, so seeing them put up two touchdowns was something that I was not expecting because this is a team that they've really been relying upon Brian Reynolds to be able to get the offense going in. He's been able to do a good job. 21 home runs so far this year, hitting above a 300, but Carl Moran, a few days ago, wound up having a multi-home run game. He's been able to hit a 280 for this team. You've got Hoy Park, who's hitting well above a 250 for this bunch, so in limited at-bats, he's been able to do a solid job. Got another guy in Cabrian Ace who's hitting a tad bit above a 250, but got a lot of guys that they do need to pick it up. Wilmer Defoe's been able to do an okay job. He's hitting right around 260. Got a guy in John Nagowski along Jacob Sellings in between a 230 and a 240, but then you get Rodolfo Castro, Kai Tom, Gregory Polanco, Michael Perez, bunch of guys are hitting a 215 or lower. Then you take a look at the Milwaukee Brewers. Ever since Willie Adamas got to town, this is a offense that has been much better. For the Brewers, ever since the beginning of the month of June, they're averaging right around 4.9-ish runs per game, and you've got a guy in Mr. Adamas hitting right around a 290 and a double-digit amount of home runs ever since the trade. Rowdy Tellez is hitting above a 300 ever since he got to Milwaukee as well. Eduardo Escobar, 24 home runs so far this year. Christian Yelich still stuck on six home runs going into game two of their double dip, but has been able to give the team a 371 on base. If he's able to find a little bit of that MVP form, that's going to be big for them. Tyrone Taylor along with Luis Odias are both hitting right around at 250 as well. Colton Wong hitting at 285. And for the Brewers, they did wind up having to use up quite a few bullpen pieces. You did wind up having to go to guys like Miguel Sanchez, Jake Cousins and company yesterday, but for the Pittsburgh Pirates, not having Kyle Crick in the fold has certainly hurt them. Jason Shreve is a guy that they wound up having to use up yesterday as well, so both of these bullpens should be relatively taxed, which is why I think that it's so big that Freddie Peralta is going to be getting the start. He has been very rock solid for the Milwaukee Brewers. In terms of a strikeouts per nine rate, that is right around a 12-ish. He has been able to do a lot of his best work on the road as well. You take a look at him away from Milwaukee, 260 ERA, 5-2 record. 
He is generating right around 11 and a half in strikeouts per nine innings. But is earning a buck 23 off of him in Milwaukee, buck 65 on the road. So even though it's 40 points higher, it's still really, really good. He's been a little bit lucky on balls in play, but I don't think that the Pirates are going to be hitting too many balls in play. Meanwhile, you take a look at Stephen Brault. In two starts, he hasn't been too bad. He's only given up three runs across those two starts. He's only went four and five innings respectively, though, so you can't expect a lot of length here. He has given up a pair of home runs as well, which is why I'm making the Brewers a sizable favorite, like I said, right around minus 215 on the money line, and an eight or lower going to be taking a look at the over, eight and a half or higher going to be taking a look at the under. 907-908 on the betting board. The Chicago Cubs hit the road to face off against the Miami Marlins. Right now, we've got to be determined for the Miami Marlins, so this game is off the board. Meanwhile, Alec Mills is going to be going for the Cubbies. If it is Alec Mills versus who I think is going to be starting for the Miami Marlins, Braxton Garrett going to be setting the Marlins more around a minus 135-ish favorite. Would need right around like a plus 145 to even consider the run line. And an 8 or lower would be taking a look at the over 8.5 or higher. We'll be taking a look at the under for Braxton Garrett. It's been a little bit of an up and down year for him, but you take a look at Alec Mills and he really has been doing his best work at Wrigley Field. So far at home so far this year, Alec Mills, 4-1 record with a save by the way, so He's been used in a wide variety of formats there. 306 ERA. He's given up four home runs at 35 and a third innings. On the road, he's only given up three home runs so far this year, and Miami is very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark, but on the road, he's given up right around four walks per nine innings. Opponents are at 299 off of him. His ERA balloons to a 545. We wound up seeing the Miami Marlins put up on Friday 14 runs on this Cubs team within Miami. That's like giving up 20 runs to anyone else when you're on the road. It's just been absolutely future for the Cubs because they wind up trading away Ryan Tapera, Craig Kimbrell, Andrew Jaffin, which means Dan Winkler is really your only reliable bullpen guy. Michael Rucker is absolutely terrible. Rex Brothers has been awful over the last like six weeks or so. And for the Cubs, Wilson Gutierrez has been out of the fold a little bit for this team recently. So the only guy with north of 12 home runs that was in the lineup yesterday was Patrick Wisdom. And Wisdom has really been slowing down with home runs. I think that he's got two home runs over the team's last 12 games going into yesterday. Now, Rafael Ortega is hitting like a 335 for this team. He's been able to do a good job. Frank Schwindel has been able to give you a little bit of something. But Ian F., David Bodie, Austin Romine, Greg Deichman, Sergio Alcantara. Whenever Jason Hayward's out there, because I'm pretty sure that he's still hurt, he has been bad as well. All these guys hitting below the Mendoza line of a 200. Then you take a look at the Miami Marlins. Jesus Aguiar has been solid for the team. 21 home runs, 82 RBI entering into yesterday. He, along with Miguel Ross, hitting between a 265 and a 275. Jazz Chisholm, along with Brian Anderson. A pair of guys hitting just above a 250. And Lewis Brinson is able to hit a 285 for the team. Brian De La Cruz is giving you a little bit of something. And for the Miami Marlins, even though they did wind up selling off a couple pieces from their bullpen, like an Adam Simber, they still have been able to get some good work out there. Paul Campbell is the guy that's able to give you a little bit of length. Anthony Bender has been very solid for the team. Then you take a look at Braxton Garrett, who I was talking about a little bit earlier, the expected starter. He wound up getting lit up in his last start against the San Diego Padres, but prior to that, two runs or fewer given up in each out of his last four starts, so he's been able to do a solid job there. He's given up just two home runs over his last five starts, despite that clunker as well. Guy that gives you right around a strikeout per inning. Walks can be a little bit high. He has given up a right around four walks per nine innings, but by and large, has been able to do a solid job, so if it does wind up being Mills against Braxton Garrett, setting the Marlins as more around a minus 135 favorite, and an 8 or lower going to be taking a look at the over 8.5 or higher going to be taking a look at the under. 909-910 on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants going to be playing against the Colorado Rockies. 55 shades of John Gray is going to be going for the Rocks. Alex Wood is going to be on the bump for the Giantes. Giants finding themselves anywhere between minus 195 and minus 210. Meanwhile, on the Rockies, 
You're getting them anywhere between plus 175 and plus 180. Eight and a half is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. Over is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. The Giants have been absolutely insane. I believe that going into this weekend, all but two of their wins have come on the run line. So they have been able to do a great job of winning a lot of these games by multiple runs. And for the Colorado Rockies, this is a bunch of which they've got the fewest runs per game. And they've also got the fewest amount of hits in terms of true road games. Meanwhile, at home, they've got the league's best batting average, and at home, they are generating pretty much the most runs of any team out there in the National League. So, you have to be looking at this team vastly different home to road, but you've got to be looking at Alex Wood a little bit differently as well, as he has not been able to do some good work recently. He has been up and down, really, because he wound up having a really bad month of June, was able to come back in the month of July and looked relatively solid, but you look at his last few starts, he's given up at least four runs in each out of his last three starts, has given up at least three runs in now four out of his last five, so he's not in good recent form. The walks are not necessarily too high with him. He's given up right around 2.8-ish walks per nine innings. Nothing great, nothing terrible. Able to give you nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings. And then you take a look at John Gray. Wound up getting off to a really rough start on the road so far this year. Has evened out a little bit. 4.56 road ERA overall for the year. Nothing great, but he's only given up five home runs in 51 and a third innings. Opponents are in at 279 off of him, so he hasn't necessarily been able to get as many swings and misses whenever he's been on the road. And then you take a look at this fearsome San Francisco Giants lineup, and it has been absolutely tremendous. As you've got just so many guys that between, I would say, about 13 to 19 home runs so far this year. You obviously wind up picking up Chris Bryant at the trade deadline, but Brandon Crawford, Mikey Strzemski, Buster Posey, Wilmer Flores, Lamonte Wade, Brandon Belt, Austin Dickerson, Darren Ruff. All between 13 and 19 home runs. It's just all spread out with this team. You've got Posey, who's hitting right around at 330 for this team. Wilmer Flores, Lamonte Wade, Brandon Belt, all entered into yesterday, hitting either a 250 or a 251. So you've got great balance there. A guy in Darren Ruff, who's able to give you an on base of right around a 385. And the bullpen of the Giants has been absolutely masterful as well. You've been able to get a whole lot out of guys like Zach Liddell, along Dominique Leon. Jarlon Garcia has been able to provide quite a bit. They did have to dive into their bullpen a a little bit because they wound up giving Sam Long the start yesterday, but by and large, this is a bullpen that has been able to do their job. Meanwhile, for the Colorado Rockies, Yancey Almonte is north of a 10 ERA. He has been terrible. Ben Bowden is someone that I don't have a lot of faith in along with Lucas Gilbreath, Carlos Estevez. They have been roughing. You just take a look at the power of this team. The Colorado Rockies are hitting the fewest home runs per game on the road. You've got a guy like a C.J. Crone. 18 home runs so far this year, but 15 of them have wound up coming at home. This is a team that they just do not hit when they're away from Coors Field. You have been able to get Charlie Blackman to be able to get on base for you, and it was unfortunate that his ball was called foul on Friday, but sitting at 290 whenever he's away from Coors, but among his home runs, all but one of them have come at Coors Field as well, so a little bit of an issue there. Got a guy in Trevor Story that's sitting below the Mendoza line of a 200 whenever he's been on the road. You've just seen precipitous fall-offs with pretty much all these guys when they get away from Coors Field. So this is a spot in which if I'm looking at the San Francisco Giants, I'd probably be looking at the run line. Currently, I am seeing that at DraftKings at a plus 110, which I think that that's a little bit surprising. I think that we probably won't wind up getting that when it's all said and done. I'm willing to lay more like a minus 115 on the run line in this spot. And I did wind up setting this all at 8.7 just because of the recent struggles of Alex Wood. So, going to be taking a look at the San Francisco Giants on the run line to go along with this little over. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. The Slam Diego Padres hit the road face up against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Zach Allen is going to be going for the D-backs. The Padres are going with good old to be determined, so this is a game that is presently off the board. Got to be thinking that 
you wind up having probably someone like a Reese Noir wind up giving you a couple innings, and then from there, you wind up going with the San Diego Padres bullpen, which does have the best ERA out there in the big leagues. And for Zach Gallen, really his bugaboo team all year long has been the San Francisco Giants. He's made four starts against them, and he's got like an eight ERA. If you take out his starts against the San Francisco Giants, his ERA is more like a 3-5 because he enters into this game with his ERA approaching five. So certainly has been trials and tribulations there. And with Zach Gallen, what has been bad for him is the fact that he's giving up over four walks per nine innings. That has really been his undoing. 31 walks in 68 and a third innings. You take a look at his home and road splits as well. This is someone that's got a better ERA at home with a 418 rather than a 550 on the road, but 0-4 at home, so guys have not necessarily been able to provide a lot of support, and you just take a look at this Arizona Diamondbacks lineup. You've got one guy in the active rotation that has at least 10 home runs for this team, and he did not wind up starting yesterday in Josh Ross, someone who has been banged up for this team. Got a couple guys being able to get on base for you as Quitel Marte of the Marte Parte. He's hitting a 345. Paven Smith is hitting a 270. Then you've got a couple guys in Azrubal Cabrera, David Peralta hitting in that neighborhood of about a 245-ish. But then you have a bunch of guys like Dalton Varsho, Nick Ahmad, Josh Van Meter at third base, Drew Ellis. Just guys that are unable to get on base. Then you take a look at these San Diego Padres. Adam Frazier is hitting right around 320 for this bunch. And Austin Supernola has not gotten a lot of at-bats so far this year. Just one home run, but hitting right around a 300. So he's been rock solid there. Pair of guys in Eric Hosmer along with Manny Machado hitting above a 275. And for Machado, ever since the beginning of the month of June, hitting well above a 310. He has 21 home runs overall this year. And then you've got Hosmer, Will Myers, Trent Grisham, along Tommy Pham. All between 10 and 13 home runs. So some balance power just to situation. Situation in which I don't think that I'm going to be able to take a shot here on the ears and the Diamondbacks because even if Zach Gallen winds up coming out and giving you six good innings, which has happened before, you've got a bullpen that over the last 30 days has a north of six ERA. They're trying to use a bunch of guys that were starters like Taylor Clark, Jake Faria. You're able to throw in there Matt Peacock into the bullpen, and these guys have not been good. And their natural bullpen guys like Brett guys have like a 70 ERA. So this is going to be a situation in which I'd probably be willing to lay a very hefty number on the San Diego Padres, would probably be willing to lay a price on the run line at this point. And if I'm thinking what I am right now, and that it's going to be probably like Reese Noir as a pseudo-opener, and then you wind up having the Padres bullpen, this is probably a spot in which I'd be looking at a 9 or lower to the over, 9.5 or higher to the under. Initial thoughts there, though, could change, so check back in the morning my Twitter feed at Jaren Scordy1 for set plays there. 9-13, 9-14 on the bang board. The New York Metropolitans are going to be playing OCLA Dodgers. Matt Max Scherzer is going to be going for the Dodgers. Carlos Carrasco is going to be on the bump for the Mets. Mets are finding themselves as underdogs. Any team plus 145 and plus 161. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Dodgers, any team minus 165 and minus 175. 8 is your total. Over is any team minus 110 and minus 115. Under is any team minus 105 and minus 110. For Mr. Carrasco, he has come back. He's made, I believe now, a trio of starts for this team and it's been a little bit up and down from one of his starts. Well, it was only one inning against the Washington Nationals. It was not a good inning, but it was only one inning, so hard to take a lot from there. He has only given up two walks in nine and a third inning, so he's done a solid job there. Has been giving up a little bit of our contact, and this is a Dodgers team that if you wind up making a mistake to them, it's not necessarily great. You gotta figure that Mookie Betts is going to be out of the fold for this team, but for the LA Dodgers, how about having A.J. Pollock, Chris Taylor, Will Smith, Max Muncy, 
and trade Turner down for what? All giving you at least 14 home runs. Seems like Justin Turner down for what? Probably going to be out the full, but I mean, that's why you've got Corey Seager in there as well. Cody Bellinger has been finding it a little bit recently, selling below the Mendoza line of a 200, but wound up having a multi-home run game against the Philadelphia Phillies a couple days ago, so that has been rock solid. And for the New York Mets, it's really been Pete Alonso and nobody else when it comes to power 25 home runs. He's hitting right around 250, and got a couple guys hitting right around that pocket of a 240-ish, Thomas Nito, Jonathan VR, they're both right there. Don Smith and Pete Alonso hitting more like a 252, 260. And then Jeff McNeil has been able to get on base for you. J.D. Davis has been able to a little bit above a 300, but he's been a little bit up and down since coming off the injured list. For the Mets, they do back up Carlos Carrasco with a very good bullpen. Been able to get some very good innings out of Aaron Loop, who still has a sub-1.5 ERA. Trevor May has been able to do his job recently, has had a couple struggles, but by and large has been able to do a solid job. Same goes for Jurisich Familia. Miguel Castro has been relatively solid, but you take a look at the Dodgers team, and you do have a couple guys that you're able to rely upon. Blake trying is still a guy that I'm quite eye on, and you're not going to need to get the bullpen too far involved with Max Scherzer. This is a guy that he is a bulldog. He has only given up two runs in his two starts with the Dodgers. Now, one of those starts was only three and a third innings because there wound up being a long rain delay in his last start against the Philadelphia Phillies, but by and large, a guy that has been able to do a solid job. Now, if there is one fault with him, he is giving up right around 1.6 home runs per nine innings, but his walks per nine, hardly above two. He's still giving you right around 11 strikeouts per nine innings. I think that this is a spot in which you should be able to get another good start out of Mr. Mad Max Scherzer, but it's going to be interesting when it comes to this total because I did wind up setting it a little bit above eight because I do think that there's a chance in which we wind up getting a short start for Mr. Carlos Carrasco. So I did wind up setting this total at 8.1. I think we might see quite a bit of a Mets bullpen that has been used quite a bit recently. So we're going to be taking a look at that. When it came to the money line, I set the Dodgers more around a minus 160. If you're looking at the run line right now, I am finding that at a minus 115 at DraftKings, only place I have it as of right now. I've got to think that we're going to get a little bit of better value on the Dodgers. Probably going to be a place where I wind up taking a look at. Probably going to be a Dodgers play in some form or capacity unless if we wind up exceeding like a plus 165 with the Mets, which that is very possible. So a little bit wishy-washy when it comes to money line slash run line. All depends on how that winds up shaking out, but going to be taking the 8 over in this spot. 915-916 on the bank board. The Boston Red Sox are going to be playing also the Baltimore Orioles. Keegan Aiken is going to be going for the Orioles. Meanwhile, Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be going for the Boston Red Sox. Red Sox are big favorites here. Going to be finding them anywhere between minus 265 and minus 280. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Orioles, going to be getting them anywhere between a plus 215 and as high as a plus 241. And your total on this game is 10.5. Under is minus 120 and the over is even. With Mr. Rodriguez, he certainly has given up quite a few runs, but it does not compare to Keegan Aiken as... He has had, to call it a really, really bad year, would be actually quite generous. You take a look at Mr. Keegan Aiken, 0-6 record, 8.23 ERA. He has given up right in the neighborhood about 1.6 home runs per nine innings, uh, just under 3.7 walks per nine innings, and it has just been absolutely terrible. 179 whip, and if you just take a look at the amount of contact that he's giving up in general, opponents are currently hitting a 335 off of him, and on the road it goes up to a 338. Eight out of the nine home runs that he's given up have been on the road over the course of 32 innings. It is that going well for him? And now he has to go to Fenway. Meanwhile, you take a look at Mr. Eduardo Rodriguez. Well, he's been at Boston. He's actually got a higher ERA at home than he does on the road. 595 in eight starts. He has given up six home runs across 39 and a third innings. And this is a Baltimore Orioles team that they do have some guys that are able to get on base for you. Ryan Mountcastle is currently on the injured list, but you do have a couple guys like a Pedro Severino along with Anthony Santander and Austin the Sayers kid. All in between, I would say about a 235 to a 250. Trey Boomo Mancini is able to do a solid job. He's hitting a 255. He's went deep 20. 
times Cedric Mullins wound up getting the day off yesterday, but he's hitting a 320 with 20 home runs. But then you've got the slugs out there. Mikel Franco, Ore Mateo, along with Ryan McKenna. All guys hitting between, I would say, about a 205 to a 216. DJ Stewart is a guy in that fold as well. And then Austin wins, hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. That has not been great for the team. Meanwhile, for the Boston Red Sox, you've got a guy in Xander Bogarts who's been well above a 300 for the team. Rafael Devers, he's got 29 home runs. This is a guy that now has 89 RBI that is second in the league, hitting a 285. You've got Alex Verdugo hitting a 280 for this bunch. And quite a few guys hitting between, I would say, about a 252 to a 260 run for Christian Vasquez, along with Kike Hernandez. These guys have been able to get the job done. Whatever you got Kevin Ploiecki behind the dish as well. He's been able to do a relatively solid job. And for the Boston Red Sox, Chris Sale was able to give some pretty good length. So this is not an overly taxed bullpen. You've got guys like Garrett Woodlock. They're able to give you multiple innings. You've got Cousins out of Mota. It's someone that I'm eye on. And then for the Baltimore Orioles, well, you didn't get the start that you were hoping for out of Mr. Orde. Lopez, so that meant that Paul Fry wound up having to get used up along with Adam Pluko, Tanner Scott, and Cole Solzer have been solved for this team, but you really don't have a lot of guys like Isaac Madsen and company that have a lot of faith in. I think that the Boston Red Sox should be a sizable favorite. I set them at minus 263 personally, but where I'm going to be looking is a run line. Right now at DraftKings, I'm finding that at minus 125. I've got to think that that's a little bit low. I was thinking that this would come out more around like a minus 145, and I'm willing to lay up to about a minus 150, minus 155 on the run line. I think that the Boston Red Sox should be able to win this game handily. And I wound up saying this total at 11. So looking at that Red Sox run line to go along with this total over. 917-918 on the bang board. The Cleveland Windians hit the road to face off against the Detroit Tigres. Drew Hutchinson is going to be going for the Tigres. Meanwhile, Tristan McKenzie is going to be going for the Indians. Currently the only place that has this up is DraftKings because Mr. Hutchinson was a little bit of a surprise. I was expecting Casey Mize in the morning myself. But right now we've got the Indians at minus 115. Minus 105 on the Detroit Tigers, and 8.5 is your total. Over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105. I personally want to make the Tigers plus 128, which makes the Indians a minus 128 favorite. I set this total at 10.2. I don't know where they're getting the 8.5 out of. I think that this might have been what they wanted projecting with McKenzie versus Casey Mize. So I do expect this to go up quite a bit. But you take a look at Mr. Hutchinson. He was pitching for the Milwaukee Milkmen last year. Now, he actually does have an 8-3 record over there with AAA, the Toledo Mud Ends, but he is giving up right around 4.3 blocks per nine, and he's not necessarily giving up a lot of hard contact, but this is actually going to be his first start since the 2018 season as a career 5.10 ERA at the big league level, and a big thing with him is that his strikeout for walk rate is actually a little bit better at the major league level, but his last season in 2018, it was barely above one, so he was really struggling with that regard. Maybe had a little bit of a case of the yips, and when you take a look at the flip side for Tristan McKenzie, he has had a case of the yips so far this year. This is a guy that's giving out over six walks per nine innings. He's giving out right around 1.9-ish home runs per nine innings. And with McKenzie, he has been able to rein it in a little bit more recently. Three runs or fewer given up in three out of his last four starts. So he's been able to do a little bit of a better job with that regard. And one walk or fewer in four out of his last five starts. So I do give him a little bit of credit there. He's been looking a bit better for this Cleveland Indians team. And he's backed up by a relatively solid bullpen. Now James Karinczak has been a hot mess for this team recently, but Brian Shaw has been able to give you some good innings. This is a team that they're dealing with the injury of Nick Sandlin, but they do have a guy in Emmanuel Classe that does a good job late in games. Even a guy like a Nick Wickerin, who had a terrible start to the year, he's been rated in a little bit. And for the Tigers, you've got a couple of decent bullpen pieces. Jose Cicero has been good for the team. Ian Kroll, I like what you've been able to get out of Gregory Soto. Idrasa Motomiras is someone that you don't want to be seeing in this game because well, that means he's probably in for long relief and he's not necessarily been too great, but you take a look at this Cleveland Indians lineup. Got a pair of guys 
Actually, a trio of guys sitting between a 240 and about a 255. Ernie Clement, Bradley Zimmer, along with Jose Ramirez. And for Ramirez, he's been able to go deep 25 times so far this year. Framio Reyes is generating a home run every 12 or so bats. 20 bombs overall for the season. Has won a little bit cold with that regard recently, but has been able to do a nice job as a power hitter all year long. Wilson Ramos, the former Detroit Tiger, actually wound up hitting a couple home runs against the Tigers in their last series. So, find that to be interesting. But he, Oscar Mercado, a pair of guys hitting between a 215 and a 225. Yu Chang, Andres Jimenez. Got a couple other guys hitting below the Mendoza line of a 200 as well. Then you take a look at the Detroit Tigers. You've got Johnson Scope, Eric Haas, along with Robbie Grossman, all giving you between 18 and 20 home runs. Jamie Candelario, right around a 365 on base, along with Mr. Grossman. They've been dealing with an injury to Akil Badu, so Willie Castro, Victor Reyes, Zach Short, a trio of dead bats that are hitting below a 225 are at the bottom of the fold, but Renato Nunes, who is only hitting right around 200 for the year, he has been able to give the team a little bit of power, so that is going to be helpful. That is why I'm setting this total more around a 10-ish, so if we wind up getting that 8.5, I will gladly take it over, and like I said, setting the Indians as a minus 120-ish favorite, so most likely in this spot going to be taking a look at the Indians along the total over if we're using that initial DraftKings line. 919-920 on the bang board. You got the Tampa Bay Rays in the road face off against the Minnesota Twins. Charlie Barnes is going to be going for the Twinkies. Luis Patino is going to be going for the Rays. Barnes was a little bit of a late addition as well, so right now only seeing a line at DraftKings on this one as well, but seeing that total at 10.5, under is minus 115, the over is minus 105. If you're looking at the race, going to be getting them at minus 135, plus 115 on the Minnesota Twins. This is a spot in which I wanted to say the Rays more around a minus 160 favorite, and I wanted to say this all at 9.7, so even at a 10, I'd be looking at an under. I would need a 9.5 to entertain the over, because with the Tampa Bay Rays, even without J.P. Eisen, along with Pete Fairbanks, has been able to do a good job out of the bullpen so far this year. You still have quite a few guys that are able to do their job. Andrew Kittrich is someone that I do like for this punch. Lewis Head has really been able to do a tremendous job coming out of the bullpen for the team. JT Chargois is someone that they wind up acquiring from the Seattle Mariners. He's been solid. Adam Conley is someone that they're going to wind up kicking the tires on as well. And Colin McHugh, fresh off the injured list to be able to give the team a little bit of length because with Luis Patino, he has been tremendous at home. Buck 83 ERA in five total appearances, four starts. But on the road, he has given up five home runs in 23 innings, a 704 ERA, and opponents are a 270 four off of him away from Tampa. Meanwhile in Tampa, a buck 74. And then you take a look at Charlie Barnes. His first start did not wind up going as planned as he's currently got a 608 ERA and 0-2 record. Wound up getting lit up by the Chicago White Sox. I believe that he wound up giving up home runs to Eloy Jimenez and Tim Anderson in his first inning of work. So that was not necessarily too tremendous and he's backed up by a bullpen of guys like Oriel Cala, Alex Colomay, even a guy in John Gant. All these guys have not been good. They wind up picking up Ralph Garza and Edgar Garcia off the scrap heap. I expect absolutely nothing off of them. Ancient Nick Vincent is now getting innings for them, so this is not ideal. And you take a look at the Tampa Bay race, you've got a quadrant of guys who have been able to give you at least 20 home runs so far this year. Mike Zanino, Brandon Lau, Austin Meadows, and Nelson Cruz. And with Cruz hanging right around 275 for this team, along with Randy Arena and Joey Wendell, you've been able to get quite a bit of something out of Francisco Mejia. He's hitting at 260, Wander Franco, G-Man Choi, both hitting right around 240, but for G-Man Choi, along with Yandy Diaz, both of these guys have right around a 360 on base, and for the Minnesota Twins, do have a couple guys giving you some home runs. Miguel Sano has 19 home runs. Problem is he's hitting right around 215. Mitch Garver along with Max Kepler have been able to combine for 27 home runs. Josh Allenson, 16 bombs. And for Donaldson, right around 350 on base. And then Mr. Orde Palonco, 270 batting average, 21 home runs. Whenever you've had Luis Arias and Rob Refsider out there, both of these guys are hanging above a 300. They've been banged up all year long though. And then Andrelton Simmons along with Brent Rooker. Max Kepler, I was mentioning a little bit earlier. Miguel Sano, a lot of guys hitting at 220 or lower for this bunch. So it certainly does put you in a little bit of a horse of peace situation. Like I said, with the race, set them as more on a minus 160 favorite. And 
pretty much if I'm able to get any sort of plus money price on the run line of the race, I'd be entertained by that. And like I said, unless if this thing goes to 9.5 or lower, I'll be taking a look at the under. So anything double digits, taking a look at the under in the spot. 921-922 on the betting board. The Chicago White Sox are going to be playing us in the New York Yankees. Nestor Cortez is going to be going for the Yankees. Lucas Gilito is going to be on the bump for the White Sox. White Sox are finding themselves anywhere between minus 161 and minus 170 favorites. Meanwhile, on the Yankees, anywhere between plus 145 and plus 159 is your total. Overs anywhere between minus 110 minus 115. Unders anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. For Mr. Gilito, it has been up and downs from all year long and for Nestor Cortez he wound up having probably his worst start of the year but by and large for Nestor Cortez he has been able to do a great job of being able to keep the ball in the yard I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how these teams respond on this Sunday because obviously they're coming off of that Field of Dreams game that we wound up seeing on Thursday but you take a look at Cortez he's pitched better than his own one record has given up four home runs over the course of 43 and a third innings did begin the year out of the bullpen so 2.6 walks per nine innings considering a lot of his innings wound up coming out of the bullpen that is actually Actually very good. And then for Mr. G. Lito, whenever he has been in Chicago so far this year, 373 RA, only a 4 and 5 record, and a lot of his home runs have come at home. 15 home runs in 70 innings. So, this is a gentleman that is giving up right in the neighborhood of about 1.8 home runs per 9 innings. Walks have actually been down. He's given out right around 2.1-ish walks per 9 innings. So, he's been able to do a solid job there. Just has been hurt by the hard contact. And then you take a look at the New York Yankees. This is a team that they've been dealing with not having Anthony Rizzo out there due to COVID-19. Luke Voigt wound up leading the league in home runs last season. He's got just 4 and 128 at-bats entering into yesterday now. Got a pair of guys in Joey Gallo and Aaron Judge. 25-plus home runs. Both of these guys right around 370 on base, but for Gallo, he's only in right around a 210. Meanwhile, for Aaron Judge, in more in the neighborhood about a 280. You've had Giancarlo San be able to find it a little bit more recently, but only four home runs ever since the beginning of the month of July, entering into yesterday as well. DJ Mayu is hitting a 270, but Gio Rochella being on the injured list hurts this team. They have not been able to get anything out of the catcher spot all year long, by the way. Then you take a look at the White Sox. Eloy Jimenez, ever since last Sunday, has been able to provide the team with five home runs. Tim Anderson has three home runs in that time span as well. Anderson and is sitting at 300 along with Eloy Jimenez and his small sample size. Jose Abreu along with Brian Goodwin. You're able to throw in there Cesar Hernandez. Quite a few others hitting between a 234 and a 250. Lurie Garcia is another guy and for Mr. Abreu entered into yesterday with 85 RBI and 23 home run. Luis Robert is back in the fold as well. He's been able to hit right around at 300 in his small sample size so far this year. And for the White Sox, even though you wound up having a rough day on Thursday, Liam Hendricks has been very solid for the team. You've got Craig Kimbrell. Aaron Bummer has been a little bit interesting out of the bullpen, but even a guy like Jose Ruiz has been able to give you some good innings. Michael Kopech has been solid in them for the New York Yankees. The bullpen has been all over the place. Zach Britton, since coming off the injured list, has not looked like himself. You've got Aroldis Chapman, who's currently out for the team. Albert Abreu has had his ups and downs. Jonathan Lewiska has actually been very reliable for the team. And Chad Green, he certainly has had his trials and tribulations, but by and large, has been able to do a little bit of something. But I do take a look at this spot, and I do think that you are going to be able to get quite a bit of something out of Mr. Lucas Giolito. And for Nestor Cortez, I do think that the key is him being able to go five plus innings. And I think that there's a good shot that he's going to be able to do so. This is a spot in which I wound up saying the Yankees more around about a plus 135. So seeing them north of a plus 145. You don't get this very often with the Yankees, and I'm going to take a shot on them. Also wound up saying this all 8.4. I think that it's going to be a little bit of a lower scoring affair, so going under along with the Yankees. 923-924 on the betting board. The Texas Rangers are going to be playing OC Oakland A's. Sean Manea is going to be going for the A's. Kobe Yellard is going to be going for the Rangers. Total on this game is 9 over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105 with the Oakland A's. Big favorites. Anywhere between uh, minus 185 and minus 210. Meanwhile, between plus 170 and plus 185 is going to be your price 
price on the Texas Rangers for Allard. I would need more than $2 to be able to take a shot on him because it has not necessarily went so well for him so far this season. Now, I will say his last two starts have been very good after he wound up giving up four-plus runs in five straight starts. He was just a hot mess with that stretch, but overall for the year, it just is a situation in which when he pitches well, he gets absolutely no run support whatsoever. This, this is a Rangers team that ever since the All-Star break, they have been by far the worst offense out there in the big leagues, but when he doesn't pitch well, he just winds up getting destroyed as well. Only giving up right around 1.8 walks per nine innings, but 1.7 home runs per nine innings, including most of those being in the month of July. Not necessarily great. He had a 9-1-3 ERA in July, lost all five of his starts, and wound up giving up since the beginning of the month of July, 10 home runs in his last seven starts. So it is not great there. Meanwhile, you take a look at Sean Manea. This is someone that has actually pitched better on the road than he has at home. 302 road ERA. 378 home ERA, 4-4 four four in his 11 starts away from Oakland, but giving up 5 home runs in 59 and 2 thirds innings, opponents are a 2-13 off of him, and he's been able to do a good job of being able to just control things in general. You take a look at this Oakland A's bullpen, Sergio Romo, ever since the beginning of the month of June, as a sub-2 ERA. J.B. Wendelkin has not necessarily been himself this year, but Dale Lise Carrera has been able to give you some good innings recently. Andrew Chafin is someone that I do like for this team. You've got Lou Trevino, who's got right around 2-ish ERA, and then with the Oakland A's, you've got Matt Olson entering into yesterday with 29 home runs, and a lot of spread out power. Jed Lowry, along with Sean Murphy, Seth Brown, Matt Chapman, Mark Canna. All between 11 and 13 home runs. Canna, right around a 370 on base. You're able to throw in there Tony Kemp as well. Starling Marte of the Marte Parte, hitting a 325 for this team, and 31 stolen bases. That's one of the top marks out there in the big leagues. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Texas Rangers. Isaiah Canera Falefa is hitting a 260 for this team. Got a pair of guys in Ado Luis Garcia and Nate Lowe, in between a 245 and a 255. And for Garcia, 25 home runs so far this year, but ever since May May 26th has had just nine of them, so it's been a little bit rough. DJ Peters, Jonah Heim, you're able to throw in their Brock Holt. You've got Mr. Pazzo, their new designated hitter, Jason Martin. list goes on and on of guys that are in a 215 or lower for this team. And then you take a look at the Texas Rangers bullpen. It is very much less than seller. You've been able to get a couple good innings of guys like Spencer Patton. You're able to throw in there Brett Martin as well. Dennis Santana, though, he's been a hot mess. Marcus Evans, Jarrell Cotton, both of these guys have north of five ERAs. Joe Barlow has a sub-1 ERA, but it's not to be enough in this spot. If you're taking a look at the Oakland A's, right now you're finding that run line right around a minus 120 at DraftKings. I am more than comfortable with that. I was willing to lay more than a minus 130 in this spot. So, going to be taking a look at the A's on the run line and I'd be willing to lay actually more like a minus 135 on that A's run line. And when it comes to this total, the question is, do you have faith in the Texas Rangers being able to get to three? I do not. I wound up saying this all at 8.6 personally, so going to be diving under along with that A's run line. 925-926 on the betting board. you got the Houston Astros on the road facing off against the LA Angels. Reed Detmer is going to be going for the Angels. Lance McKellis Jr. is going to be on the bump for the Houston Astros. Astros, anywhere between minus 175 and minus 190 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Angels, anywhere between plus 160 and plus 170, and your total on this game is 9.5. Overs, anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Unders, anywhere between even a minus 110. For Detmer, he's made a couple starts at the big league level, and well, he's not been able to duplicate the magic they wound up having at the minor league level. As in the minors, he was averaging over 15 strikeouts per nine innings. He was really a rolling, but he was also giving up a home run and a half per nine innings. That has carried over, and he's going up against a guy in Lance McCullers Jr. that throughout his career, he's got an ERA that's nearly two points better at home than it is on the road, but this year it has been the exact opposite. How about him with a 372 ERA so far this year at home, 270 ERA on the road, 7-0 in his nine starts, giving up five home runs in 53 and a third innings on the road with... 
opponents hitting a 200 off of them. And strikeouts per nine, that is north of 12 on the road. Meanwhile, for the LA Angels, you take a look at this lineup, and Joey Otani has only really had two home runs in the last 15 games for the team, so certainly has been a little bit tough sledding there. He was able to get a home run yesterday to be able to help out the cause, but... You take a look at the other guys in the lineup. You've got Max Sassy hitting right around 285 for this bunch. Jared Walsh being back really helps this team out as well. He had an RBI yesterday. He's got 20 plus home runs hitting right around a 270. Joe Adele has been able to hit very consistently above a 250 for this team. But Adam Eaton, Jack Mayfield at the bottom of the fold. These guys have been hitting below a 215. Though I will say for Mayfield, seven home runs in the last three days for this team. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Houston Astros. They've got so many guys that just match for this team. Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley, Carlos Correa. Jordan Alvarez, Alamendez, yes, Yoli Gurriel. All at least 350 on base percentages. You've got Brantley hitting a 330. And aside from Brantley and Diaz, just because of at bats alone, all these guys, at least 15 home runs so far this year. Even Chaz McCormick, he's been able to slug out 11 bombs. He's hitting a 250 for this team. You've got a young outfielder in Jake Myers, who's been able to come on for this bunch. Then you take a look at the Angels. Rossio Iglesias has been able to do a solid job out of the bullpen, but really past that, you've had Austin Warren give you a little bit of something as a young guy, but Mike Myers, Jose Quijada, Jose Quitana, Packy Naughton, these are not good relievers. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Astros. Kendall Graveman and Yimi Garcia really sure things up in the back half. They wound up just getting Pedro Baez back from injury as well. Ryan Sanek, Blake Taylor, they're not great, but they're serviceable arms. I do think that the Astros should be a relatively sizable favorite here because with Detmers, I just think that he's not prepared for the big leagues at this point. Wound up saying the Astros is more around a minus 175 favorite on the money line, but currently on the run line, seeing them anywhere between a minus 118 to a minus 125, I was willing to lay more like a minus 125-ish in this spot. Going to be taking the Astros on the run line. And in this spot, I do think that the Astros are going to be able to get going with regards to the bats. But I think that McCullers is going to be able to deliver a good start. So set this all at 9.2. So going under as well. 927-928 on the bang board. The Toronto Blue Jays hit the road to face off against the Seattle Mariners. Logan Gilbert is going to be going for the M's. Meanwhile, you've got Steven Matz on the bump for the Toronto Blue Jays. Blue Jays find themselves anywhere between... Minus 122 and minus 130 favorites. Meanwhile, on the M's, anywhere between plus 110 and plus 117 is your price. Your total on this game is 9. Overs, anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The unders, anywhere between even a minus 110. I had plus 116 on the Seattle Mariners, so... We barely got there on the Mariners. You take a look at Logan Gilbert, and the team wound up winning 11 straight starts of his prior to losing each of the last two, but he's actually been better on the road than he has been at home. 348 road ERA, 4-1 record, giving up three home runs in 33 and two-thirds innings. He's given up five home runs in 39 and two-thirds innings at home, though I will say this. He's also given up right around 1.5-ish walks per nine innings at home. His strikeout numbers are relatively solid, right around 10 strikeouts per nine innings, but a 454 ERA as well. And with Steve Amass, he's just all over the place. You don't know whether you're going to get really good Steven Matz or really bad Steven Matz. He has given up four plus runs in two out of his last three starts, but he's also in his last five starts given up zero in two of them as well. So he is certainly a herky-jerky gentleman who's given up right around 1.15 home runs per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine, a little bit north of nine. You take a look at him on the road end. He's been able to do his best work there. A lot of this is because Toronto hasn't necessarily had their home ballpark for much of the year, but in 11 starts on the road, 406 ERA. He's given up right around 1.2-ish home runs per nine innings, but points are in 250 off of him on the road as opposed to 307 whenever the Blue Jays are at home. 
And with the Blue Jays, we all know about this line. A flag Guerrero Jr. Entered into yesterday with 35 home runs, hitting well above a 300 for this team. He has been just absolutely amazing all season long. And then you take a look at Lourdes Gurriel, Reese McGuire, George Springer, along with Marcus Simeon. All these guys hitting at least a 260 for this bunch, as high as a 275 in the case of Simeon. Simeon, 26 home runs. Springer, since the beginning of the month of July, double-digit amount of formers there. Bobichette has been able to hit right around a 290. He's got 20 home runs. Randall Gritchick is giving you 19 bombs. So this is a tremendous lineup. Meanwhile, for the Seattle Mariners, Abraham Toro, ever since he got to Seattle, hitting well above a 300. You've got Ty France hitting at 285 for this bunch. And Mitch Haniger along with Kyle Seager. Both 25 plus home runs. And I will say for Seager, along with Jake Bowers, Jake Fraley, Tom Murphy, Jared Kelnick, Lewis Torrance, all these guys are in a 225 or lower, but Hanniger ain't more like a 260 with his 26 home runs. You've got J.P. Crawford hitting a 270. With the Blue Jays, I do like the fact that they wound up getting Adam Simber along Trevor Richards. They did pick up Brad Andrews, been a little bit up and down, but even a guy like a Taylor Saucedo, Kirby Sneath, they've been sawed out of the bullpen, and then you take a look at the Seattle Mariners. I really do like what you're getting. It's like a Casey Sadler, Drew Second Rider, Eric Swanson, all these guys have sub-25 ERAs. You've even been able to get a little bit of something recently out of Anthony Machevich. He's had a little bit of an up and down year, but he's been able to rein it in a little bit more. Diego Casio seems to be a little bit more comfortable as well. I do think that Gilbert is going to be looking a little bit more like road Logan Gilbert in this spot. I do think that he's going to be able to hold this down. And with Steven Matz, he's just a little bit all over the place. So I'm going to wind up taking the plus price here with the Seattle Mariners. With this total, I wound up saying it at 8.7 because I think that both guys are going to be able to hold down the fort as well. So we're going to be going under as well. And we wrap things up with my New York Post play of the day. 929-930 on the bang board. The St. Louis Cardinals hit the road to face off against the Kansas City Royals. Chris with K. Bubich going to be going for the Royals. Jay Happ is going to hope to not be appless for the St. Louis Cardinals, who are favorites in this spot. Anywhere between minus 115 and minus 121, plus price on the Royals. Anywhere between even money and plus 111. And you've got a total on this game ranging between 10 and 10.5. On the 10.5, over and under, anywhere between minus 105, minus 115. On the 10, over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 125. That makes the under anywhere between a plus 105 and a minus 115. And with Mr. Chris with K. Bubich, he has been able to give you a little bit of something recently. Certainly has been up and down, but you want to be backing Chris with the K. Bubich at home because on the road, he has given up, and I kid you not. 14 home runs in 38 and a third innings. He's also given out 23 walks in that time span. Meanwhile, at home, he's still given up quite a few walks. Right around 3.9 walks per nine innings, but three home runs surrendered in 47 innings. Bones are lower off of him at home as well, 247. Home batting average compared to a 257 on the road. Meanwhile, you take a look at J-App. He has looked a little bit better for the... St. Louis Cardinals, but still, he has given up a home run in each out of his first two starts with the team. And for Jay App, dating back to his last 16 starts, he's giving up over two home runs per nine innings. It has been brutal with that regard. You just take a look at him in that time span, really, ever since his first five starts of the season. He's got right around an eight ERA. He's backed up by a bullpen that's starting to wane as well. Genesis Cabrera, Giovanni Gallegos, they have not necessarily looked as strong. Alex Reyes is someone that has had his downers recently, and for the Kansas City Royals, they have been able to get some good innings out of guys like Josh Shamount, Jake Brents, even Scott Barlow. And for the Royals, you do have quite a few guys hitting between, I would say, about a 265 to a 280. You've got in that full with Merrifield, along with Anser Alberto, Nicky Lopez. You're able to throw in there Salvador Perez, and for Perez, he's been able to supply 
27 home runs, right around 70 RBI so far this year, and Evan Nintendi has seen a little bit of a dip. He, along with Michael A. Taylor, hitting between a 245 and a 250, but still relatively solid in front of the St. Louis Cardinals. Second fewest runs per game in the National League ever since the beginning of the month of June. Got a lot of guys hitting between, I would say, about a 250 to a 265. You've got Umando Sosa, Yadier Molina, Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson, who's been a little bit banged up, and Nolan Arenado. So, you've got quite a few guys there for Nolan Arenado. 24 home runs so far this year. He's looked good with that regard. Paul Goldschmidt now hitting right around 275 along Tyler O'Neill. O'Neill has been able to go deep 19 times. And for Paul Goldschmidt, he has been able to supply 18 home runs. Wound up having a nice start to the month of July. Has been waning a little bit ever since then. And Lars Newtbar has been able to give you a pair of home runs over the last five days. So, had a little bit of something there, but I just have zero faith here in Jay Happ. The bullpen of the St. Louis Cardinals certainly getting a little bit more tag. So I want to make in the Royals a favorite, and that is the New York Post play today. Royals money line. And with this total, I want him setting it at 10.3. I think that we're going to see quite a few runs in this one. So I'm going to take it 10 over and the New York Post play today, the Royals money line. And that'll wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Sunday. A big thanks to John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, you're able to subscribe wherever you hear podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, if you've got one or two ways to be for those in, first one is my Twitter timeline, at JarenScordy1. Keep in mind, letters DM, they mean does not matter, so as per usual, send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast into that comment section. And I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.